Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Fully Charged Cast. My name is Joe, and I'm here with Frank and Matt. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good. Not too shabby. That's great. Well, you know, we have a very exciting podcast for you guys. Um, so we're going to be uh, just talking about some of the la- latest movies and games that we've been uh, dealing with, and also uh, franchises and what we feel about certain ones. But before we get into all that, um, what kind of uh, games or like types of media have you guys been consuming lately? Uh, Frank, let's start with you. Uh, I've been playing Shadow of War still. It's pretty good. I'm enjoying it. I'm not nearly as far along as Matt is. Uh, I picked up the new South Park game, and that's pretty good too. If you're a fan of South Park, it's awesome. If not, it's probably not the greatest. It continues pretty much right where the first one came out. Um, and it, yeah, it comes with the first one as well, which is awesome. Uh, I didn't actually expect that. Uh, it's been pretty good. And then I have one of those Super Nintendo classics, which I've modified. And I've added a couple of the games I felt like it was missing. And the thing is like a perfect little nostalgia box. So like okay. when you so like when you modify the SNES Classic, are you able to add like more games to it, or does it still have to be set at the amount that it was at? So like if you do, you have to just replace games, or can you add more to it? How does that work? No, you can add more. Okay. You can't get rid of the games that came with it. It's they're designed to be there, like they're part of the OS essentially. But okay, um, you can hide them. So like in the software, say I don't want to see Super Cools and Ghosts. I can I can hide it and then it won't show up on my games list anymore. Um, but any save states or any well that game doesn't really have a save function, so any save states get saved and all that. Um, but you you can only show somebody on a page, so you have to kind of wisely split up your games. It's uh it's really cool though when you add a game as long as you find good box art and you put in the parameters correctly, it's like it's been there the whole time. Like it it doesn't feel like it doesn't belong. Uh, I was at Matt's. Recently, we played Turtles in Time, and it may as well have been native. Honestly, it should have been in the game to start with, but, you know, Konami has weird licensing issues. Yeah. It's a good job, but I like Chrono Trigger on there, and Donkey Kong Country 2 and 3, Super Mario All-Stars, which should have been there on the start. A couple other of my own choice games, lots of Disney games. But, uh, Act Razor, which is a underrated game. Yeah, it's it's pretty neat having all that extra stuff on there. It feels a lot more complete. It's pretty cool. I mean, that's I guess that's something that people can look forward to on their like SNES Classic if they have one, just be able to mod it if they want to take that chance. I mean, was there much risk involved, or was it pretty easy to do? It was pretty simple, honestly. Yeah, it was. You download a program called HackG2. Um, it, it installs just like anything else, but. Uh, the only thing that's a little dubious is when you first hook up your Super Nintendo Classic, you have to overwrite. Um, basically, like the the program software it's working on is a kernel, and it 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 has to pretty much flash that kernel and create a new one from the program. It's a little scary because if that messes up or if you accidentally unplug during the process, it can like it would just make your thing a nice brick. But and it took a while too; it was maybe five minutes. But once that was done. Adding new games this is as literally as easy as just pulling the ROM up, finding box art, making sure the parameters are correct, and hitting synchronize. It's like adding songs to an iPod or something, and it's it's pretty quick. It takes maybe like a minute if I want to do that. It's two clicks. It's awesome. Um, but I've been fighting the urge to add more games now because I really I don't want to make the thing have so many that I don't know what the heck to play at any given point. I have about 49 games on it now out of the 
compare that to the 21 it comes with, that's not bad. But, I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, I can't even think of that many games that would want to play in the SNES at the moment, but pretty sure it's not too hard to do. So. Once you see those lists. Yeah. So, Matt, what have you been up to lately? I've just been playing Shadow of War, hanging out. Nothing super crazy as far as media consumption. I've just been absorbed and building up my orc army in Shadow of War. Nice. So, I mean, so how far are you in the Shadow of War right now? Are you, like, I've beaten all the story quests. Okay. And after you beat all the story quests, there's Shadow Wars, which is essentially like all the fortresses you take over in the game. There's four of them. They uh, Sauron keeps trying to attack those, and you have to hold out for... I, I don't know how long. I'm in stage seven. I think I've done this maybe ten times now. Suppressed his attacks. That ten might be a bit of a over exaggeration but I've, I've done it enough times so i don't know when this ends but like once i'm done doing this then i'll get the true ending and i'll be i'll have beaten the game nice so i guess for me um i kind of went back in time i guess you'd say uh, so i played undertale finally and played through that uh, i did two run-throughs of it so i got like the neutral ending and then i got the uh, passive ending. So I did both of those things. So technically the only thing I do is the post genocide or the genocide where you just pretty much kill everything. Um, so I, that's what I've been up to on the weekend. And then I kind of also played, uh, injustice Two. just finally went through the story on that just because I haven't played it, even though I've owned it for a while. So that's just what I've been up to. So I guess, um, what we'll move on to is just, um, I think we can talk about Shadow War a little bit more. So, like, what? So, for like the week or so it's been out, like, what do you guys think about the game so far? I mean, I know you guys were praising it a lot when you first were playing it, but is it still as good as you thought it would be, or has it been keeping up with your expectations? Yeah, I would say that it's, uh, it, you know, a lot of people were kind of ready to hate on it because of microtransactions and everything. And, Frankly, I find them pretty unintrusive. I've not really needed to, other than the free like pack I got where I could get like some random works early on in the game. I've never once opened one that wasn't one that I got just for playing the game. Like I, I've never felt the urge to, oh, I gotta get more orcs. So they're everywhere in the game. You don't need to do it. It if you don't like playing video games and you just like getting shiny things out of boxes, then yeah, they're worth it. But if you just play the game, you're going to be just fine. And Matt can probably uh, alludicate on that a little bit more. Yeah, like, I've, the only the only chests that I've bought are things, because the game throws, like, a ton of, like, in-game currency to you, and you can buy these silver loot boxes, which give you um, training orders and extra orcs, which I don't use the orcs from the box anyways, because I kind of, like... I like going out in the world and getting my own and kind of like forging my in-game relationship with those orcs. So I don't use those orcs. I just break them down for gear. I pretty much just get them for like the training orders and XP boosts. But I only buy those with in-game currency. Like I'm not going to spend real money in, in this game. And like like Frank said, the game gives you like 600 gold to start with. And I've used all that, that 
to get the boxes I want. And I've I've never felt like the game was at the point where I'm just like, I gotta fork out five bucks to get something. You can get more gold pretty frequently by doing the daily challenges too. So you could yeah. conceivably take advantage of the microtransactions and get tons of things if that's your thing without spending a dime. Like, I will never spend money on a microtransaction in that game. No, it's a single-player game. Like, it's not. It's completely unnecessary. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the thing is, like, again, when it comes to microtransactions, they're just there for people that, you know, happen to have disposable income and want to spend their money, and, you know, that's their choice. So, I mean, I feel like people kind of overreact quite a bit, especially in single-player, where it really has no bearing on what people do. It's like, if people want to spend money, let them spend money, you know? I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, would you guys agree, at least with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm on board with that. Yeah. If you don't want to buy it, don't buy it. Like, no, yeah. one's, forced, no, one, no one's forcing you to buy it. Well, that's exactly right. It's it's There's no competitive advantage to be had getting these kind of things. For sure. So I guess we can move along to... Um, so, Frank, are you the only one that bought the latest South Park game? Is that correct? Yeah. Um, okay. But before I talk about that, I thought it'd be kind of... Uh, to quickly talk about Star Wars Battlefront 2 had its uh, single-player trailer come out today and it showed oh. off a bit of that and a little bit of gameplay and it looks solid. It's a it looks like an interesting story with an original character it takes place between uh, Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens to kind of bridge that a bit. It showed some pretty cool images um, which are eluding me right now, but it looks awesome. I'm pretty excited to see where they go with it. Um, it's supposed to be a canon story. It's re actually recanonizing a couple of cool ships that were from the old Legends canon, which is kind of neat. And Matt and I are pretty big fans of stuff like that, so that's kind of cool. So are they going to be uh, using like a Boeing airplane? Is that one of the ships they're Yes, they're going to use a Boeing 747 nice. airplane uh, with the, the, the seat cameras, you know what I mean? Nice. Uh, those ones, this is some lit stuff right there. <laughs> man it's going crazy yeah. um so yeah i honestly i didn't get a chance to see that trailer i knew that something was released today um i think i saw it on facebook playstation had it on their facebook uh page and they posted it and it happened to be my feed i just didn't have a chance to watch it but so what, do you think it look do you think the single player actually looks like something that looks playable or something that you would want to play yeah, I mean, dice single players are never bad. They're just usually kind of forgettable because they're not really meant to be, like, you know, a solution to everything, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, Battlefield 4s was serviceable. Battlefield 1s is actually pretty good. It just was really, really short. Um, Battlefield 3s, I don't remember anything, so I guess it didn't offend me, but it also didn't <laughs> impress me either. Um. But, you know, like, the big thing with these games, and the first game got criticized a lot because it didn't have single-player content, but honestly, it, I don't feel like it's a necessity in every single game to have stuff like that. Sometimes you just want uh, multiplayer, but it looks like they put a lot of effort into this. They didn't half-ass it, and it, it's going to be more of a complete experience than, in, than the first game was by far. I wonder if doing anything in the campaign won't lock anything in the multiplayer. That'd be interesting. I mean, that's usually pretty normal. I know in 
Call of Duty games or in other games, it tends that tends to be the case where if you complete the story mode, you tend to get stuff that you can use in multiplayer. It doesn't give you any advantage or anything like that, but it's usually cosmetic. So you can be like, hey, I beat the single player, even though no one cares. But, you know, it just at least gives you something out of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with you on that, though. I just don't... I think the whole push of like, oh, you know, your game needs to have single player, multiplayer, and all these other features, that can definitely also be a bad thing because i know that's been a problem with uh call of duty games for example uh there was a time where like now everyone has a single player multiplayer and zombies so that can definitely make it so that the game could definitely can struggle in one of those areas so you pretty much have three different games in one which sounds like a good deal but at the same time they only have the same amount of production time to make all three so it's really Mm -hmm. not gonna end up being a failed experience but, uh, Call of Duty's moved to that three-year model. And so far, it's actually worked quite well for them. Yeah, I but, think it has. But I'm just saying, like, I, before they did that, it was a problem because they were trying to do it in two years with those three modes, and it was just getting too much for them. Like, the only yeah. one, the only company that was able, the only developer that was able to keep up with a, a Treyarch just because they're the ones that created those modes at first, so they knew what to do. Whereas, yeah, the zombie mode, at least. Yeah, yeah so, like, and when Sledgehammer's like, LOL, let's try it. It didn't go well, but... Or, or you could just yeah. talk about Call of Duty Ghost, which was, like, horrible. Well, but that was doomed that was... to fail. Wait, wasn't Ghost done by Infinity Ward? Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is funny because everyone was, like, talking about how Infinity Ward was always the better one, and then Ghost happened. Well, Modern Warfare 3 is when that started to fall apart for them, honestly. But Yeah, that's true. I thought Modern Warfare yeah. 3 was Sledgehammer. They help with the multiplayer, but Sledgehammer's oh. first game was Advanced Warfare. It was okay. I, I don't, know, I I don't, I don't even know how I remember this, but we're getting off track. So, <laughs> yeah. right, South Park. South Park yeah. is really, is really, uh, like I said, it's if you like South Park, you're gonna like it. If you don't like South Park, this is not gonna change your mind. It so far anyway, it seems like it's relying on a lot of old references instead of new material, which is just like the first game, and that's not a problem in itself. They changed up the combat a little bit. They changed the plot shtick in the first game. It was like they were like fantasy heroes with wizards and warriors and stuff. And in the second game, they're their superhero personas that they've introduced in the shows. And so far, even with the hour I played it, you find tons of customization options for your costume. Like my character is wearing ski goggles with a bra on his head, head as a hat. So, you know, it's just, it's pretty goofy. Um, yeah, it's the typical crass South Parky humor stuff. If you don't like that, it's not going to change your mind. But it looks nice, it plays nice, and it's spot on. I mean, I know but when it comes to South Park, like when the first one came out, a lot of people were like, you know, obviously hesitant that was going to be if it was going to be good or not, and then it ended up being a pretty good game. And then obviously this follows suit with that is kind of stuck with the same formula. And, you know, if you like South Park, you're going to like it. It's just like a lot of games when it comes to like a fan base. Like if you like that type of thing, you're going to end up liking the game. Usually, even if the game could be subpar, you still will probably like it or get something out of it. So, but South Park, from what I understand, is supposed to be, you know, pretty solid game for what it is. So, yeah, it's funny too. I just haven't had a chance to play it myself, but. Like Matt, did you end up playing the first one at all when it came out? Yeah, yeah, I played the first one. I got that. Got a day one. 
It was it was fun. I like South Park. I haven't picked up the second one yet, but I'll pick it up eventually. It's just I don't know. I just I'm not really feeling South Park right now, like in general. And that's a conversation for a different time. But I'm sure I'm sure when I start playing it, I'll enjoy it. But I'm just not feeling like playing South Park right now. I can understand that. Um, I mean, I feel like that type of humor or just that type of show can sometimes just be like in cycles. Sometimes you're with it, sometimes yeah. you're not. And I mean, I had that feeling with it for some time. Right now, I kind of like it, but I could easily not watch it too. So, anyways, um, so I guess the next thing, I, I guess I'll talk about something that that was interesting that came out. Um, so Counter Strike Global Offensive, they came out with the remake of Dust Two. So Dust Two has been changed up. It looks a little bit cleaner and more refreshed, I guess. But they didn't really change a whole lot of it. Um, they had a beta of it uh, for like the last, I think it was like the last two weeks it was in beta and then it was finally released to play in the regular client. Uh, I think yes, it was yesterday and I had a chance to play like deathmatch in it. I didn't do competitive, but I mean, it seems a little bit cleaner. Um, the sight lines seem a little bit better to me. Like it doesn't seem like it gets like hazy. I don't know. It just seems a little bit tighter, but overall it's the same map and I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure Frank, since I know he played Counter-Strike, Dust 2 is definitely a staple of a game in the game, correct? Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, that's been around since, I don't know, even know. Was it around in the original version, or was it just Dust, D-Dust, and then... No, it was a launch map, but yeah, it's been around since the beginning, and it looks like a pretty drastic change that they're going for stylistically, and I wonder if people are going to struggle or if it's just going to feel like muscle memory and you won't even notice. I know when I played in Deathmatch again, which is different than just playing it regularly, is that I did notice myself kind of like looking for things that weren't there anymore. Like they did change a few things where you can't jump up on certain things like you used to because there used to be like some like weird ledges on some things where you could kind of like, you know, take shortcuts and stuff like that. Some of those are gone, obviously, because those objects just aren't there anymore. So they did change stuff like that. There's new noises or new sounds in that. So like if you walk or jump on certain things, it's a different sound than what you're used to. Because the thing is, like, when Dust 2 came out, it was the launch map for Global Offensive. So it was just, like, when the game first initially was launched. So it's just, like, it was just, it's plain old engine with, you know, your basic textures. It looked like a desert, whatever, dusty. And then now the new one is just, like, trying to make it look more in line with the new maps that they've been making. Like, with um, the, the Inferno uh, remake that they did, it's kind of going more in line with that. And also, like, Cobble and stuff like that. They kind of remade all those maps, and finally Dust 2 got its new look. So they're just trying to keep up with it, keep the game a little bit fresh. Um, I mean, honestly, I haven't heard anyone complain about it. I think the one change I noticed is that for, like, Long A, instead of using metal doors, I think they went back to wooden doors. I'm not 100% sure. I haven't had a chance to, like, test it out. Um, but that means you could probably shoot people through it easier than you used to be able to. So I, I like killing people through walls. So hopefully that's the case. But, <laughs> you know. But yeah, so I mean, that's what I've noticed this week. But um, yeah, so I think we should get to our main topic for this uh, podcast. Um, so Matt had this great idea to kind of talk about franchises and just kind of about like which ones that we kind of want to possibly see go away, but then we're also going to kind of go back on that and also talk about ones that we want to see come back. 
Um, so since this was Matt's topic, I think he deserves to go first on this. So oh, you're too good to me. Yeah. So for a franchise that I would like to see come back, it's, it's a video game franchise and the Dead Space series. I really liked Dead Space 1 and 2. And I liked, I liked Dead Space 3. I played it with a buddy of mine. And it was, it was fun. Definitely didn't feel like Dead Space. It felt more shootery than Dead Spacery. But I just... The first game was, like, really creepy. And it was very well done, atmospheric. There was this definite sense of isolation throughout the whole game when you're stuck in this... Uh, you're stuck in this ship, and for like for context, you're you're this engineer Isaac Clark, and you get a distress signal from the ship that your uh, your girlfriend's working on. You go out there with a rescue crew to try and find out what's going wrong with the ship, and the whole crew has been turned into these like nasty space zombies with claws that come out of their back, and they just want to like maul you and eat you, and it's just. It's really creepy, and the lore for the universe is surprisingly really well done and interesting. And it's just it's just a messed up game. It's, it was really well made, and it was just it's a really well done game. And rest in peace, Visceral. They're the ones who made the game. EA shut them down a couple days ago. So that was I was thinking about doing this topic before they announced Visceral being shut down, but it just seems kind of right to want dead space to come back now even though the development team is gone which is a bummer yeah they've been dissolved for a while honestly the people who made it yeah the companies yeah the company itself though yeah it's yeah i i agree with that i really liked dead space one and two was exceptional too it's just the third one just kind of felt a little like it went a little off track but. yeah for sure so then, yeah, so now that we're in ones that you want to see come back, which one would you want to see go away? Like, what's something that some franchise that you might not uh, have much? I've I've touched on this a few episodes, but I think it's time to put the Alien franchise to sleep for a while. When you say Alien, you mean like, you know, Alien, Aliens? Yeah, yeah, Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, Prometheus, and Alien Covenant. I mean, Just, they kind of were asleep for a second, and then, yeah, and then let, they let's came put back. It, <laughs> yep, let, we'll get to put it back to sleep. Like, let's just be done with it. Like, Covenant was one of the most, it was a, I think, I don't, I don't want to be hyperbole, hyperbolic, but it was... I think the most disappointing movie I've seen since Prometheus. And oh man, Prometheus! You're so excited about that. And this, <laughs> I don't think Ridley Ridley Scott is not the guy to like take over the creative reins of the Alien franchise. And while I was like thinking about this episode, I was thinking about Ridley Scott and how much I I do respect him as a filmmaker. But then, then I was thinking about all the movies that he's done that have been like good, and that he's done really well with, and they're not really movies that he's like in charge of the creative aspect of the movie, like like Gladiator, and Blade Runner, and the original Alien. Like he didn't come up with that idea, or Beautiful Mind. Like, no, that wasn't Beautiful Mind. He didn't make that one. 
Oh gosh, don't 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 crucify me, Internet. But American Gangster, like he doesn't do a whole lot of original ideas himself, and then like he's pretty much he was pretty much given creative control on Alien Covenant. He had a lot of influence on the story, and he's just he just doesn't understand what makes the Alien universe Alien, which is kind of ironic because he directed the very first alien movie and it kind of like jumpstarted his career. And now he's kind of sunk this franchise into a pit that needs a lot of loving care to dig itself out of. And I would, I would be fine with the alien franchise coming back and being this like scary, terrifying atmospheric movie where there's just like an unstoppable xenomorph that just kills people one by one. And you don't know where it's at, but no, man, we got to, like, build on the universe. And, like, everybody wants to do that now. Everybody wants to, like, have a universe-building movie so that way they can, like, sell you to go to the next movie. Like, I don't I don't really care where the alien came from, if we're talking about that. I, I don't care because it makes them scarier not knowing where they came from. But we got to know where the alien came from and, like, this, this crazy android who wants to experiment on people. Like, like just no. No more of that. Make my I want my alien movies scary again. Um, if I may, uh, kind of add to that, maybe start a dialogue. I think what's tricky though is once we've experienced a film like that before, we can't really experience it again. And it's not, I'm not disagreeing with you in any way. I mean it more like, uh, you can't make Alien 1 again because we've already had Alien 1. So having like the same scenario except this time it's different people or this time and it's a different place. That's just the Jaws syndrome. Then you're going to get the Jaws sequels where it's the same situation. You I mean, you can't have the shark start flying or start doing different things. It's just the same movie over and over again, just with some goofy new set piece. Um, and it, it's, I would like to see that, but I agree. That's, that's kind of why the series needs to go away. Wouldn't you agree? Like it's just, they're never going to really get that fear back because even after the first movie, Aliens is completely tonally different from Alien. And, but it, it works, though. Well, it worked because they could make it more action because we dealt with one alien. Now there's more. And Dead Space, even though you mentioned that, that's just the same thing. The, and first the, and movie the... Is, the first movie is really scary because we don't understand the enemy at all. And they, you know, they're very powerful and you don't have anything. But in the second game, you're better equipped and you're quicker and there's more enemies it's bigger, faster, louder. We'll just skip the third game, just like the third alien. But it's it's just it's interesting because horror is something that's difficult to iterate on. And you're right, I think you could definitely get rid of I think Alien should probably just take a good nap. No, I think anyway. I think Alien is a two trick pony. Alien and aliens and then after that, like, if they, if they want to expand on the universe, like, I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, if they if they wanted to just, like, focus on just, like, the engineers and, like, the Prometheus sequel was supposed to focus on that. But then they're, like, like gotta drag the xenomorphs into it because it's just, like, no, like, no. Like, I, I'm okay with, like, the universe being explored and different aspects of it being looked at beyond the xenomorphs. But then they, like haphazardly through the xenomorph into alien covenant and just it was it was not a fulfilling movie and it was it was just not an entertaining 
piece of film. That's disappointing. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm curious about it. Maybe we could watch it and rag on it a little bit. Yeah, it's out now. Um, okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut in there, man. I just thought I'd... No, no it's fine. I don't mind talking about it. It's a, I mean, those are two of my favorite movies of all time, Alien and Aliens, and like it, it, it pains me to say that I want that franchise to just go away, but... We've had six movies in that franchise, and there's only been two of them, and the last four, like not counting Alien versus Predator, because nobody else talks about those. But like the last four of them have all been kind of duds, and I don't know how many more duds you need before you get the message that this franchise just isn't working. Okay. Just make more, just just make more Alien Isolation games. <laughs> oh okay man, yeah. Those work really well, yeah. But that means the franchise would still be there, though. So yeah, so it won't be as. I'm anymore. I'm I'm willing to make exceptions, though. <laughs> You're just like just go for like a nap and then come sure. back as a game once in a while. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah. So, how about you, Frank? Like, so when it comes to franchises, which one would you want to see go away, and which one do you want to come back? All right, I'm going to start with Go Away, and this one might be a little interesting. So um, my choice for that will be the Harry Potter universe, and it's not – as a disclaimer, I read all the books as they came out. I am still a very large fan. I, I really like reading them every so often. I try to read one around Halloween every year. Just I usually just pick one now. I don't even go in order. I've, we, My wife and I have marathoned the movies a couple of times. And I thought that Fantastic Beasts was okay, but unnecessary. I thought the stage play thing was terrible. Like, I don't know why they didn't just novelize it a little bit. I have no idea why they literally just released the script as a novel to read. That is for, ridiculous you, to me. And you mean Harry Potter and the Cursed Child? Yeah, the Harry Potter. For those who don't know, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child was like a sequel stage play that was written for stage that they released the script with like stage directions and everything as a book you can read and i don't i don't even understand what the reasoning was behind that beside that but i i'm not going to get into that that's not the point of this but harry potter is a universe that doesn't have enough thought put into the world to expand upon it further uh case in point being fantastic beasts it had a very lazy uh version of what like a magical hidden magical part of the united states would be it broke its own series rules like a ton of times and yeah i know everyone's memory gets wiped in the end whatever but that's just kind of lazy you know you're telling me you know they went and found every newspaper that's reporting on you know creatures escaping and, and weird things happening in the city and destroyed those and somehow wiped those too like it just strains credibility in a way that the series doesn't usually do which is weird for a series with wizards flying on brooms and um things like that but it's it's you know, I could see them keeping it around if they decided to actually explore something a little heavy, but they keep talking about these big events that have happened, but they're just so black and white. It's like this guy was evil and this guy was good. And it's the same thing in the main books. I mean, they work as, you know, young adult child novels, things, you know, where like Voldemort is evil. Why is he evil? Because he's evil. He doesn't need a good reason. 
I'm sure there's somebody out there that was going to be like, oh, he's evil because of these specific things. And and that's fine. And he I, wasn't, I, he I, wasn't conceived out of love, Frank. That's why he's evil. It's insane. It's ridiculous. It, it's just it, the stories could tell some pretty cool, heavy stuff. And I am not criticizing J.K. Rowling in any way. She did a fantastic job with these books. They're great, but they don't lend themselves well to expanded universes, not in the way that like. You know, Star Wars does, or I mean, the Lord of the Rings. I mean, he wrote a half of Return of the King is appendices explaining the history of Middle Earth. There's whole other books uh, that take place thousands of years before. There's there's a lot thought out. He wrote an entire language, but uh, the Harry Potter universe is very revolves around Harry Potter. It revolves around Harry Potter, and his story is over. And there's there's things that happen and that do happen but it doesn't feel like the history of the world was thought out well enough and it just gets retconned like i wouldn't mind seeing a harry potter universe film or book that takes place during world war one because that affected all of europe how did wizards deal with that you know how did how would this kind of thing happen you know what what did they do they obviously didn't take any serious sides but like you can't tell me they weren't affected by it all because they eat the same food and grain that we do, you know, as muggles. So what happened with all that stuff? What about World War II or all these other times in history or, you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis? Did, were they aware of it? Did they know what a nuclear device is? How many wizards died when the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombs went off? There's a lot of historical things you could have. It's like kind of like this is their, our history from their point of view or something instead of it's it's just there was a bad wizard and he did bad things and, and he was played by johnny depp in a surprise cameo and it's just it was it was just so i don't i don't know and i don't think that they thought that the universe is fleshed out enough to keep going they're gonna keep it going but i wish it would kind of just fade out a little bit give it some time to breathe i thought the the original books were fine. I think anything else is kind of pushing it. Uh, but moving on to something I would like to see come back. Uh, it's not really like a film series or, or games or anything, but I would like to see optimism in science fiction come back. There's many, many uh, series and everything that just don't exist anymore because optimism is dead. You know, everything is terrible. Even our science fiction is terrible. There's so many post-apocalyptic things now that's not even funny. Um, but I want things like Star Trek to come back and old-school Star Wars to come back. And where, yeah, there's there's darkness and there's bad things, but at the end of the day, the good guys prevail and things happen. And we've all become so jaded and just cynical where everything is just this dour dire terrible nonsense and you know as much as i like it it all really started with battlestar galactica at least in the modern age and the uh, kind of reimagining of that series which was a fantastic series and i love it but it, it kind of made everybody think oh we got to make everything gritty now everything's got to be serious and terrible can't have fun anymore nope um and i appreciate that there's shows like the orville from Seth MacFarlane that are trying to bring back that Star Trek optimism with a kind of episodic structure and everything, but I couldn't make it through that one. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna um say Star Trek Discovery is doing a good job either because it's just this dour 
unlikable cast. You know, supposedly the main character is half Vulcan, and, and if you know anything about Star Trek, they're like really, really logical. And but she does so many illogical things that make no sense at all. And and everybody says, "Oh, you're so cool and you're so calm under pressure." I'm like, "No, she isn't. She's not even interesting." But that's not that's not the point. My point is the series is really dour and depressing, and it only takes place ten years before like the original series with like William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. You're telling me ten years before everybody was this militaristic, hate-filled, monstrous space conqueror thing. I don't understand it. Like in the most recent episode, they had. A character um, from the original series, Harry Mudd, who is kind of played for laughs. He's like a kind of a jokey antagonist, not really like a bad guy, but he gets into these weird jams and the crew always gets involved. And and they, they had him played by that one dude from The Office. And he just... Matt, are you going to do okay over there? Yeah, I'm fine. I was just wondering uh, what dude from The Office is he? Um, I don't know the characters. Is it Dwight, maybe? Oh, yeah, that guy. Uh, but he plays Harry Mudd and so, uh, Rain Wilson. That's his name. If it's okay, Dwight. Rain Wilson. Sorry, I, I didn't watch The Office, guys. I'm terrible. Um, but he he plays Harry Mudd, who's and then they just leave him to die with with Clinton. And he doesn't obviously because it's a prequel series. But it's just like it's really dark. Starfleet would never leave someone to die, no matter what. Like that's just not what they do. But they're just these grim, pessimistic, whiny little jerks, and I, I don't like that. That's not Star Trek. Like Star Trek is supposed to be optimistic science fiction future, not we're just as bad in the future as we are now. That's not what Star Trek is. Even the the J.J. Abrams Star Trek universe has a lot of optimism in it, even if terrible things happen. It still has that sense of like exploration and discovery and and all that. But in science fiction now, everything is either... Mad scientists create something terrible, and science is terrible, and why did science let this thing happen? Uh, or, or a space opera where everything's terrible, and humanity, oh my gosh, it truly, we are the walking dead. And it's just this nonsense. It's just so hate-filled and pessimistic. And I, I'm frankly just tired of it. Uh, even the Star Wars, the, the Last Jedi trailer, like, I'm praying that the the new movie is a lot more, not necessarily upbeat, but less, less of a grim. Ugh, everything was so dark and gritty, and in Rogue One, and like no one cracked a joke, and it just relaxed. Force Awakens had a good sense of adventure, but I'm worried that this one's going to be like, this is the dark chapter. Everything has to be dark and terrible. You, those characters you liked as a kid, well, they're actually awful. And they're the worst people that's ever existed. Luke Skywalker eats puppies. You know, it's it's where I fear that they're going with this. And I, I think that would be lazy and a cop-out. And it would severely diminish the significance of the older films. And I don't normally care about that. But it's okay to have characters to look up to, Hollywood. Not everybody has to be a grim, gritty anti-hero. That everybody is like, that guy is so cool because he's so dark. He's got a tortured past. Just, man, give us some freaking optimism. And rant over. So you're, you're telling me that Battlefield Earth with John Travolta was not a positive <laughs> film? Oh, gosh. We should do a whole thing on Battlefield Earth. 
I don't even know enough about it. I mean, I watched it in theaters when oh, I was like, younger, that but I, I told you need to watch it. Live reactions. Yeah. Live. Well, I, I don't even. I think live reaction videos are the dumbest thing ever. But my God, I would do a live reaction to that movie. <laughs> I mean, I almost want to. I kind of want to watch it now, just because like it's in a time where I actually probably would understand it more. Because when I watched it as a kid, I'm like, oh, it's John Travolta. Oh my God. And then you I, know, John, John Travolta is going, oh my God. But you know, there's yeah. some good. There's some good actors in it too. It's just yeah. Okay. It's it's such a such a bad movie. It's such a tire fire okay well we're getting off track <laughs> anyway joe what are, what are your things so when it comes to franchise or franchise that want to go away i would have to say transformers <gasps> i can, I can robots in disguise register trademark yeah i could just it could just go away anytime now um like the toys or the movies i mean honestly all of it i don't really care much about it um, even when I was a kid, like I liked it a little bit, but it's just like, I just think it's just kind of over. Um, I mean, I guess we could just say more the movies in general, those could just go away. I mean, there's really nothing to them anymore. I mean, there never was, um, there was never really a story. I think there was a certain charm to the first movie though. Yeah. I mean, it was, I guess you could say it's a little bit more, it was a little bit unique just because they was able to use technology in filmmaking to a level where we didn't see it as much and you know you could just talk about some advances and cgi and all that fun stuff but i mean when you look at the newer ones it's just like it's just a rehash of the same thing over and over and i mean there's there's been people who have actually synced them together where certain things happen at certain times and it's just the same formula the same thing happens i mean it could just it could stop anytime that'd be great and I mean, I'm glad that, um, you know, they're going to be side going off onto a tangent and doing some nice side story of Bumblebee. So I think everyone's excited about that. But um, I don't know. I, I've just never been a big fan of Transformers begin with. So I guess I'm a little bit biased. But overall, I just don't see there's really no value to it to me. Um, it just seems like a way for the profit off of people who like has some nostalgia to the toys when they were younger. And then also to try to capture a new market by saying like, hey, we like to shoot in dusty old Midwest towns like Detroit. It's so edgy. If you come downtown, you can see all kinds of cool transformer things on our electrical boxes. It's so cool. Um, I, um, I'm just not that excited about it. Um, and I've never been. I just think it's just pretty much like a dumpster fire that just keeps going. And people just like it, though, because they like flashy things and... I just wish it would just kind of go away and maybe something else can replace it for a bit and then that can go away and then maybe Transformers can come back and be its dumpster fire itself again. I don't know. But I just don't see... There's just no value to it to me. I mean... Well, to make to make you feel better, it only made $130 million domestic throughout its whole gross here. Oh, man, jeez. I... So... Which would, would... Is Which with the numbers, like, I, I don't think it's that good compared to, like, how the other movies have done prior. Like, $130 million domestically, like, that's that's it's all right. But for a movie of that caliber and how expensive it was, it made $600 million worldwide. Didn't even break a billion. And yeah. at this point, it's kind of just, like, billion or bust at this point if you're making a high-budget movie like that. That's true. 
And the thing is, like, maybe domestically it's not doing as well, but in the foreign, like, do you have numbers for the foreign market? Like, do you know how Yeah, it, I mean, yeah, I made, like, 470 million foreign. So, yeah, so, I mean, that right there kind of makes up for it a bit, but... Yeah. I don't know. I just hope that they just kind of either go a different route and maybe actually try to do a story or make it somewhat productive or just change it or just go away for a while and then... You know, let Michael Bay go away, let all that shit go away, and hopefully, you know, if Transformers ever comes back, it might come back maybe in a more intelligent way, which, I, again, I don't, I honestly don't see that happening just because the show itself was never too deep, in my opinion, but, yeah. you know, we'll see. Yeah, speaking on that, Age of Extinction brought in $245 million domestically. And it made 1.1 billion worldwide. So yeah, it definitely didn't make anywhere near. Yeah, I mean, what the older movies have done. And I think it's true. I think people are getting tired of it. But I don't know if it's just getting tired of Transformers, but or people are just getting tired of movies in general because right now, like the box office is in a huge slump, as we all know. So yeah. Uh, so I don't know if it's because Transformers is bad or it's just because this is a slump in the industry right now in general. So I Could guess. Be a bit of- I would like to think that it's because Transformers are bad. I mean, that's what I want to think, and that's what I hope in my heart, of all hearts. That's what I truly believe. But, yeah, I, it could be the slump, unfortunately. So if there's if Bumblebee does well, then we know that it could be something else. Um, so I guess for a franchise that would want to come back, um, it's not really like a very well-known one, um, but it's a fighting game that I really liked. It was Power Stone. Um, oh, Power Stone. Yeah. I, I, I love the game on Dreamcast, and I wish it would come back. It's just, It was a fun fighting game. It was fun to play with friends. And I think it would be great if they found a way to reimagine it for a newer generation and just find a way to get it back. Um, I don't know why they haven't took, took the leap um, or even just remastered the old ones into HD. I feel like that would have been very easy for them to do. But instead, they just want to make Mega Man over and over. So that's cool. Or just not really making it, but just remaster it. So, um, you know, hopefully one day Cap- Capcom will, you know, bring back Power Stone. I mean, there's not really much to say about it. It was just pretty much a, a basic fighting game in a way. But it had some cool elements to it where um, I think there was like objects you could throw at people and stuff like that. And there were stones and all kinds of fun stuff. I don't remember everything about it, but it's just something of nostalgia that I liked as someone like younger growing up playing the game and I just wish it would kind of come back. So, I mean, I wish, I wish you had gone before me cause I would have taken your answers. Oh, okay. Yeah. How about, uh, I mean, Frank, do you remember power stone a little bit? Yeah. I loved power stone. Yeah. The second one was even better. Yeah. Power stone. It was, was uh, the first one was only two player, but power stone two, you could do up to four. It was a little less balanced. Although, I mean, the Power Stones themselves were pretty unbalanced. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the names of the characters I like to play as, but oh, that game was fun. You could pick up pretty much everything in the environment and chuck it around. More so in the first one. In the second one, the arenas were a bit more, like, multi-phased. Like, there was one you started on these airships, and then the airships blew up, and you skydived down to these ruins. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but yeah... They were neat. They were really fun. Very Capcom fighting games. Like old school 90s Capcom, early aughts Capcom. Not not whatever the hell they're doing now with Street Fighter 
yeah. in Marvel vs. Capcom, where I feel like they have good intentions, but there's something just universally appealing about old-school arcade games. Oh, God, I can't believe I called those old-school. <laughs> but they just have a certain gaudy, uh, just loudness to them that you won't really get in modern fighters. Like, you're, you're never going to picture a game like Injustice 2 or 1 in an arcade. It's too polished and too pretty. Or even Mortal Kombat X, which, you know, thrives on, on being in... Uh, you know, the series thrived in being on in arcades. Um, Street Fighter Five, yeah, technically it's in arcades, but it's not. Doesn't feel like an arcade game. Yeah, I it's, think that's the biggest thing about like newer fighting games is that they go for a certain type of polish, which is fine, and you know the mechanics are great, but they just don't really have the feel of like a older arcade game that you know makes you love it, like the colorfulness or you know vibrancy of some older games i mean they might not be the most graphically sound but they were bright and fun and i think that's what a lot of games kind of miss or kind of forget about is that games should be fun it's not all about being as realistic as possible like killer instinct is probably a great example of something that's just like it was fun when it first came out like i remember playing in the arcade then you look at the new remake of it like for microsoft and it just does not look like a good game and I, it's, did, I, I played it. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just like whatever. I heard they fixed it a bit. I haven't given it a shot, but, you know, it just... I think games should just focus on being more fun before dealing with all the realistic textures. You know, games... I mean, I guess people have like this... Um, I guess they kind of expect games to look like realism. But the thing is, then what's the point in playing a game if you want everything to look like real life, in my opinion? But whatever. Everyone has their own opinions when it comes to the visuals and what they want. So, but uh, yeah, I guess those are the two. That's like one thing I would want to come back, and the one thing I would like to go away is Transformers. So, you know, you know what I was expecting someone to say, but we didn't say. What was that? Call of Duty. Call of Duty. Call of Duty. I thought about it. I, it's, it's I actually like easy. I actually like it though. That's a problem. So I actually don't want it to go away. That's the yeah, thing. You good man? Yeah. It's I'd... one of those series that it's always polished. Even though I I just I'm tired of it. But they do a good job. They make a very good engine and backbone on it. Yeah, to make it run, it's always well made. It just it's like a sports game at this point, and the more I look at it that way, the more I'm like, you know, cool, whatever. Let people enjoy their sports game this year. Kind of how I feel too. Yeah. It's just it's it, it's definitely gotten the games have definitely gotten better, and it's less irritating now that they're on a three year development cycle, like you mentioned earlier in the game in the show. Yeah, they don't. Well, they don't feel as like, well, we may as well do another one as it used to be. Where like when they first started. Infinity Ward made like Call of Duty 1 and 2 and Modern Warfare and Modern Warfare 2. And those were just amazing. You know, all of them were. They really were. And I remember getting Modern Warfare 2 at launch. I mean, that was huge. It was the biggest midnight release I'd ever been to. And it was big. It was bigger than Halo 3 uh, the year, two years before, three years before. I don't know. Whenever that came out. It was, but, it was two, two years. Yeah, 2009. So yeah, two years before, uh, and and oh man, it was so much fun, even with the weird glitches and stuff. But you know, you go back and look at it now, it really it wouldn't it wouldn't be as much fun nowadays. You know, it's not as balanced. It's not as well polished. 
they do a good job of making the game a lot more polished now. It looks better, it plays better, it's more consistent. They don't usually have as many weird glitches. Um, there's still going to be, you know, some issues maybe with netcode and people complaining about that more so than anything. But they're still well put together games. The campaigns are always solid, with a few exceptions. I didn't think Black Ops 3 is as fun as it was. It just, the story made no sense at all. <laughs> it was like, you're the mental something of someone in somewhere in something? And then I went and looked it up online, and I'm like, where in the heck did they get that context from? <laughs> but then it let you play through the whole campaign again, except everybody was a zombie, and it was like a zombies campaign. And it was actually pretty fun, oh. even if it was extremely brainless. Um, and, you know, like, and now it seems like Treyarch is the one that makes the, the, the most competent ones. Um, yeah, like Sledgehammer did Advanced Warfare, and while we liked it, a lot of other people didn't, and they're making the one this year, which is World War II, and yeah, it's neat they're going back to World War II, but having watched gameplay of it, I'm like, eh, this just looks like any Call of Duty, except they're not jetpacking around. It doesn't really look like they're being very original with it. They're, they they did not even look like there's that many guns in it. World War II had a lot of different firearms, and if Battlefield 1 can somehow scrounge up all these really weird, obscure military firearms from World War II, then I'm pretty sure they can find some more obscure ones for World War II. You said World War II twice. Oh, I meant World <laughs> War. I meant World War World War One and Battlefield One, World War Two and Call of Duty World War Two. It's late yeah. when we're recording this guy. Sorry. You good, bro. Are you good? But yeah, uh <laughs> when it comes to like the Call of Duty Duty games though, I actually kind of like the path that I went with the jetpacks and just like the boosting jumps. I actually enjoy it a lot, and I think it kind of made people actually have to think a little bit more about how you played it because I remember we watched this one streamer, and that still kind of goes with me today. It's just like know your lanes, bro. Just like that guy that we watched. I'm not gonna say his name, but um, it was just funny. And <laughs> I remember that. And so, I mean, that just kind of reminded me of just like, man, this game is way too simple because the guys is like, if you know your lanes, like you should be able to dominate if you can aim. So it's like, well, he's right. And sure enough, when we watch him play, he's just destroying people left and right um, just because he knew his lanes. But then when Advanced Warfare came out and Infinity War and also like, um, I mean, Black Ops 3, I mean, so that's all that knowing your lanes didn't matter as much because, I mean, you still kind of had an idea of where people could come from, even with boosting, but, at the, I mean, it still could be unexpected. And then you could also get to spots where, like, oh, I know this weird way to get them to the sniper spot and you can't get me unless you go that one way where I'll have a claymore and you'll die. You can actually just boost up there and get them. And so I think nope. that that's great that they did those kind of things, in my opinion. No, I, I like that stuff, too. I, I actually, that was the reason Advanced Warfare was the first one I bought with my own money and didn't get from work or whatever um and i really enjoyed it it was the first one in a long time and i thought it was great i got season pass and everything i played the daylights out of it i maybe i should reinstall it someday but you know, i thought it was cool the whole idea of the jetpacks and like the exosuits was was really neat and fairly novel and at the time and the like movement system reminded me a little bit of quake although a little more janky mm-hmm or tribes that was another, that'd be another good example yeah well it's not 
the hilarious thing is that I actually had an opportunity to go back and like watch some tribes videos. Like I, my friend was mentioning it, and so then we watched them. And like, it's just hilarious what you could do back then. Like, you just speed across the map. Like, you're pretty much going. Like, you're not going to speed of light, but it just feels like you're just going that fast. It's just, like ridiculous oh, yeah. speeds and. I the thing is when I played it I just don't remember that aspect of it but that game was just so fast and yeah um it's just insane how it like how games used to be like that and I mean even like when mm -hmm. it came to Quake Quake Three was Quake Three you know was Quake so Three fast. Was it's ridiculously fast, fast. Yeah. and and so then like when I went to go back and play Quake Live and I was like holy like oh my god like this game is just ridiculous like i can't even keep up anymore because i mean i'm used to slower paced shooters now like counter-strike and even call of duty like it's a little bit faster but it's really not that fast compared to like older shooters so that's because like it's not like a twitch shooter like quake was so but yeah um so i mean has anyone have anything else they want to talk about for this cast that we haven't mentioned no, I think we kind of got off the rails right there at the end. So oh, yeah, go on. Uh, I am, I am all set. Oh, nice. So I guess that'll do it for us today. Um, you know, thank you guys so much for tuning in, listening to us uh, talk about some franchises and also about the great game of Call of Duty, our Lord and Savior. And <laughs> we will kind of end it on that. But I mean, if you have the chance, uh, we do have a Facebook page now. Um, it's facebook.com uh, slash uh bf charged and then we also have our twitter uh at bf charge as well and then um hopefully we'll get back to doing our twitch streams which is uh twitch.tv slash batteries fully charged um so yeah make sure to check us out on the social medias and we will be gaining more onto uh publishing some more articles and features in the future which will be on our website batteriesfullycharged.com so yeah thank you guys for tuning in and We'll be signing off, so um, see you guys.